Merry Christmas. Hello, Merry Christmas, Ed. Merry Christmas. Uh, what would you like for Christmas? Van Hal wrapped with a P45? Uh, no, I would like uh, Star Wars Battlefront for PS4. Is it any good? I've, I've heard mixed reviews. Yeah, it's all right. It's not supposed to be brilliant. It's quite limited, but I don't have a tons and tons of times to play games when I'm not playing Rocket League. So yeah, uh, I'd quite like that for Christmas. Maybe Assassin's Creed, although that is really supposed to be terrible. Yeah, computer games and and uh, designer board games. That's what I want for Christmas. Very good. Little Little Ranta One has uh, is obsessed with the Lego game at the moment. Right. Nice. Is that the littlest one or the biggest the, one? The which biggest already... one. Yeah. Right. So you number them in the logical order. That makes sense. There you go. Very left brain of me. Yeah. So anyway, uh, talking of left brain, uh, Van den Hal is uh, very much left brain. Uh, not really working very well though, is it? I mean, we're recording this on Sunday night. It's not inconceivable by the time you hear this, he's gone. Not inconceivable. It seems unlikely, given Woodward's briefing, that he's a genius. It would be quite a turnaround, wouldn't it? Uh, Although three defeats out of the Champions League, seemingly out of the Premier League title race. Oh, not definitely, but, uh, you know, lost some ground. Uh, And you you just wonder whether all the momentum's gone from Van Gaal. Uh, Talk of the players having lost faith in him, talk of them having... Um, taken to mocking him, in fact. And, uh, you know, not quite Jose-esque, is it? But uh, getting there. You mean Jose-esque in the sense of a full-scale revolution? Having lost the dressing room, yeah. I mean, isn't it? Has he not lost the dressing room? Does it not look like on the pitch that those players are miserable and not really playing for him? Well, it does, actually, yeah. I mean, so you pick out a few goals from the recent games. I mean, I I guess uh, we dropped the last podcast just after the Wolfsburg game, but it didn't actually include any commentary about the Wolfsburg game. So that was a very different game because that was quite an open game, as we thought. A very funny piece in Red News that the players had been briefed by Ryan Giggs. Believe this or don't believe it. Uh, that uh, Wolfsburg would be playing on the break. I was going to. I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" Uh, he hasn't seen Wolfsburg play this season. If if that one's true, um, so very open game, kind of as expected, I suppose, because that's how Wolfsburg play. They do open the pitch out really big and create chances, and they create a lot of chances. Um, but that that wasn't the game I really wanted to talk about in terms of the players not playing. So, two classic goals by Norwich, in which players just stopped. So uh, the first one in which Carrick is strolling and then suddenly realises he has to try and catch up with Jerome and Fellaini's nowhere in sight. And the second one where Smalling does the same and we've praised him to to the hilt this season, rightly so, of course, but he absolutely stops. For Teddy's goal, and and you know, young as well for Teddy's and, goal, and young, young as well who just stopped tracking back, you know, and it's that kind of thing just gives you a little inkling that the players maybe aren't quite up for it because, you know, that's some really basic stuff that is. Yeah, and and you know, the loss to Wolfsburg was like depressing in a way because Europa League, etc. This is like this is a really terrible result in the scheme of things. But of course, that wasn't really where the damage was done. The damage was done in the, the home game against PSV. Losing away from home to Wolfsburg in isolation is not some sort of terrible, disastrous result. But then to compound that by losing away to Bournemouth and at home to Norwich is genuinely disastrous. Those are absolutely... This is an atrocious run of results. Of course, it's only six games, but even if you stretch... If you stretch it back, there's three wins that precede that, this run. But then if you stretch it back, you start to enter that run where there was five nil-nil draws in nine games or something like that. You know, the the kind of lacklustre run has gone on for a long time now. It has. And and the questions that are being asked of Van Gaal are are very legitimate about whether he's actually made any progress at United. And, and I mean, that one's pretty easy to answer, isn't it? Uh, no. Uh, and has he actually been a mistake or has he been a disaster? It hasn't worked. You know, th- those are the other kind of questions that are coming up. And I think they're really legitimate now. And and uh, someone, someone accused me of being knee-jerk yesterday on Twitter. I, I always love that <laughs> one because I, I didn't actually make any statements about uh, Van Gaal being sacked or anything like that. But, um, you know, 18 months in and... We have £250 million spent, uh, albeit you know, needed to refresh the squad and, and all of that, and quite a lot of talent went out. Um, but still, plenty of money spent. You know, he's trying to shape the squad in his own sort of manner. 
and it doesn't feel like there's an awful lot of progress. No. Uh, and that's pretty damning, isn't it, of, of supposedly a top coach? I can't remember if we talked about this the last time we recorded a podcast. I don't know if he'd said it yet, but he cited uh, one round's further progress in the cu- Capital right. One Cup as evidence of improvement. And I think. Which is just, does he believe that? When he actually says it, yeah, because no one, no one else does. No, because that's beating Ipswich reserves at home that he's talking about there. That's that's the great progress he's he's celebrating, and and the current league situation. I'm pretty sure now we must be in a similar or worse position. I haven't looked it up, so this is terrible. It could just be not true, but I'm pretty sure we we can't be in a considerably better position than we were this time last season. Now, I mean, league table n- numerical position or number of points wise, so. It's it's not improving, and there's nothing knee jerk about it. You know, this is this is eighteen months in. I mean, you could say no. This is a man who had a three year plan, and we are at the eighteen month point of his three year plan, and this is where it's meant to be. But he wouldn't say that. I mean, it was very clear after the Norwich defeat that he doesn't believe what he's doing is currently working at United because it it clearly isn't. No, I mean, this time last year. 21st, 22nd of December, uh, United had 32 points after 17 games. So, yeah, so we're, we're three points worse yeah, off after a, a big summer of spending. So, look, I mean, it's getting to the point where it's not as if you have to say, oh, yeah, I want Van Gaal out, uh, but it's not been a success. Um, and this is a problem for the, the hierarchy because, you know, it's it's um, it's one thing firing the guy after who came after Fergie because... That was an impossible job, and they made it more impossible by appointing David Moyes. You know, that's just like tied both hands behind their back when they went into the ring. But now it's pretty embarrassing for Woodward to have got it so wrong again. Absolutely, but I think that it's very because you asked two. You said two different things. That's two different questions. One was it a mistake appointing him, and B has it been a disaster? And I actually don't think those two. I mean, they're not the same, are they? Because Yes, it's definitely in the process of being a disaster. I think that that is kind of unquestionable now. But that doesn't necessarily mean it was wrong to appoint him because football management, just like buying in players, there's always an element of risk in that. It was, there was, there's a, an element of risk in any managerial appointment, however kind of much of a natural fit it seems. Uh, but I don't think it was wrong to give him a go. I think that's actually a, a it was a perfectly sensible good decision. Yeah. Well, I guess so. I mean, the, the challenge of course is that within the time frame since Fergie left, Guardiola, Mourinho, Klopp and Ancelotti have all moved clubs. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's it's starting to look for for a club that's supposedly the biggest in the world uh, a little haphazard managerial recruitment as well as their player recruitment of course you know and and so there's a little dichotomy for United fans here because it's easy to blame the manager of course because he's the point uh, and and you know he's the likeliest to get fired when something goes wrong you can blame the players of course are they high enough quality are they are they really playing for the manager uh, and that would be quite criminal after what happened under David Moyes of course um did, did mostly different players but you know some of the same uh, and um, and and then the third thing is the hierarchy and and do they have the structure within the club that suggests that they can turn this around you know and and I think with all three of those it's not a very pretty picture the players are not performing up to the standard you'd expect from this group of players the manager is not getting out of the players you know, everything that they can give clearly and he's been very dogmatic about his systems and tactics and and approach. Uh, which is pissing off the fans royally, of course. And then the management, the hierarchy, and especially Ed Woodward with this kind of really scattergun transfer policy, which basically involves call, calling you know, Jorge Mendes on the 31st of August. They're looking like they're not fit for purpose. And, and this is really concerning because it's not just now and three defeats. Uh, we're looking at you know some real systemic problems which could attach, them, could attach themselves to the club for some time to come. I've recently had a football podcast recommended to me called uh, Second Captains, which is a, an Irish football podcast. It's ever so good. I've only listened to a couple of episodes, but some really good analysis. And they did an episode on Liverpool's... Well, it was a, a feature on an episode on Liverpool's transition from, you know, top of the tree to 
a long period of mediocrity and comparing it to what's happened at United over the last couple of years and pointing out just how quickly it happened at Liverpool. And I think that it is in that hierarchy where the biggest risk of that happening lives, isn't it? Because, you know, whatever's going on behind the scenes with with Guardiola... If, if it's actually true that United weren't trying to put themselves in pole position to get Guardiola because they were happy with Van Gaal or whatever other reason, this is the kind of thing where you just think, well, this is this is people that don't really know enough about football making these decisions. Right, and, and it's a very glib thing to say, I guess. But, but of course, you know, you've got six Glazers who really don't know anything about football, barely ever attend any games. Let's assume they don't watch too many uh, and they're not historically from this industry. Edward Wood, who was uh, you know, a management consultant for many years before getting into football. And then you've lost the experience of Gill and Fergie from full-time management at the club. So there's a big hole. I mean, we've said this before, right? But if there's any club in the Premier League crying out for a director of football... You know, a real fixer in the middle there. It's United at the moment. Good noises, I suppose, coming out the club that they've kind of worked out that they've fallen behind in terms of the academy setups and they're going to look at not only moving potentially the academy, um, but the whole setup. You know, they still don't have an academy head since Brian McClare left. But that's one part of the club. The the transfer policy is, is an unmitigated disaster, right? And it has been since Gill left. Undoubtedly, it's so you know shoddy um, that it's clearly not fit for purpose. And the only part of the club that really functions well is the commercial entity, um, and that can only save United so far because all this money piling out of the club in transfers isn't buying very much at the moment. Was the last was last summer an unmitigated disaster in the transfer sense? So, so it was quite clear that United were missing uh, a top quality central defender. Spent all summer chasing um, Sergio Ramos when it was patently obvious that he was after a new contract uh, and that they they missed out on an experienced striker and they let what four or five strikers go um, and left themselves with a kid albeit an absolutely brilliant kid oh my god he's so good uh, and and Wayne Rooney who's I don't know what the opposite of absolutely brilliant is but he's that (laughs) Yeah, um, just very, very briefly, I don't feel in a position to say anything about any of the Rooney-related rumours that have been going around because I don't know anything. I have no idea about whether there's any truth in them. So I guess we're just not going to cover them, right? Unless you've got anything particularly that you know about it. I know nothing about it. And everyone who I trust says there's nothing in this. He's just injured. Or was just injured. Yeah, okay. Uh, He's still bad at football, though, isn't he? That's a bit of a problem. Well, look, I mean, in a way, we owe Rooney an apology because, you know, we spent the whole season uh, basically asking him asking for him to be removed from the team and it turns out United are crap with him and crap without him. (laughs) Yeah, Um, uh, Matt has been absolutely dreadful. My goodness. Someone that was at the Wolfsburg game told me that was one of the worst performances they've ever seen from a United player with their own eyes. Uh, he was terrible against Bournemouth and he was pretty abject again. I didn't think he was terrible against Bournemouth, but yeah. Um, uh, in this, in the entire second half of that game, he was. He, the- oh, yeah, he completely disappeared. I mean, he, he was in the game in the first half, but yeah, completely disappeared from the game in the se- in the second. He's one of the, the clique of players who's very unhappy with Van Gaal. Right, OK. Uh, you know, a lot, the Spanish contingent, right? So um, he's, yeah, he's not used in the way he wants to be and um, and he doesn't get on with Van Gaal's tactics and he's just unhappy. I mean, at this rate, it wouldn't be a big surprise to, to see him go. Uh, yeah, well, certainly next summer, you'd think if Van Gaal makes it that long. Well, or, of course, the other alternative, like Matter and his lads get it together and they get Van Gaal out of the club and then the next day, oh, Hello, Jose. I'll, yeah, I'll pack yeah. my things, shall I? So, so one way or another, he's off. Um, but it's such a shame because he should be United's most creative player. And and look, he's we know what matters about, right? Um, and and I blame him somewhat for his poor performances, but I mostly blame Van Hal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right. So the actual that conversation has been uh, dire in a few different ways. Wolfsburg. Uh, one thing that's happened since we last spoke is United have conceded seven goals, um, having like 
really not really conceded very many before that. And it's uh, pretty clear that the thing that was keeping so many clean sheets wasn't so much individual defensive performances, although that played a big part, but it was this ultra-defensive structure which has sort of disappeared in the midst of a midfield injury crisis, really. Um, and Fellaini charging all about the place in Wolfsburg um, against Bournemouth, the whole team just looking a shambles and against Norwich uh, no no midfield cover whatsoever for the defence uh, against Bournemouth I guess very inexperienced back four as well it, it was but it's clear that Fellaini is no defensive midfielder no right? he just he, he cannot or does not want to play that role and and he was actually quite dangerous against Bournemouth but yeah it was our best player but and he, he just created a, three yeah he created a whole bunch of chances and it was it was quite bizarre that he was taken off yeah um, but he he left a big space open in United's midfield not that that's how Bournemouth scored the goals, of course. But but you're right. You know the whole the whole structure has gone with uh, injuries both in midfield and defence. And and United were a bit more open in Wolfsburg. I guess you have to say they had to be right. They had to go and win that game. Um, the problem is that Wolfsburg are, are just a better attacking side than United. And mm. and uh, you know actually a couple of very good goals from Wolfsburg. So the first one that swept in. Uh, from Naldo, uh, very nice delivery and fine finish. The second one, absolutely brilliant from Wolfsburg, dancing through United's defence. Good goal from Martial to open things up. Yeah, uh, you know, and 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 actually, United created quite a few chances in that game. It was just that Wolfsburg created more. Yeah, I think the xG of the size was almost identical in that game, um, and uh, against Norwich United, had massively. Our XG'd Norwich. Um, yeah, but. but look, this comes back to what I said earlier about United missing a top-class central defender, right? So you can see what Van Gaal's trying to do. He's gone ultra-defensive in order to try and fix what he sees as United's biggest weakness. And to some extent, it's worked because for a while, United were in the top four and, and in fact were top by a couple of times this season so you know from his point of view he'd say that works so the injuries have forced him to change a little bit United have gone a little bit more open started creating a lot more chances created a lot of chances against Bournemouth as well as as Wolfsburg not so much against Norwich and all of a sudden it, it looked like a United side that could potentially score goals um, but but the the stuff at the back was no good. Yeah, it was no good. Uh, Bournemouth was just horrible to watch, wasn't it? We we watched that match together. It was a rare opportunity to do so with a lot of United fans in a pub in the centre of London. Lol. Um, but yeah, that was um, it. Was just horrible, and it felt totally inevitable. And in a way, you could sort of say, okay, well, there's so many injuries. And, and the squad's kind of down to bare bones, but then there's the instant counter-argument of, yeah, whose idea is it to keep the squad so thin, right? That's uh, a tactic, a, a deliberate strategic decision on Van Gaal's part to involve young players. And nice to see young players involved, but that there's a cost to that, obviously, when there's so many all at, at once. Um, well, there is, and... and- you know, when you play like young players, typically you don't want it to be away to a top German side in the Champions League. <laughs> well, I was really talking about Bournemouth, but even then, uh, and Bournemouth were on a little bit of a high and it just felt like it was so inevitable that we lost that game. I have to say, I did not feel that it was inevitable that we would lose at home to Norwich City. Um, that one... But not shocking either. Oh, I don't know. I was. I have to say I was pretty shocked that we lost that game because... We haven't lost at home all season, apart from that Middlesbrough game where he played Romero, so it doesn't count. I, I was genuinely shocked. Norwich haven't won away since the 15th of August. Um, I, I think that is a pretty shocking result. Uh, United were 1-2 uh, to on to win that game with the, with the bookmakers. So Lol, bookmakers. Haven't you seen United in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> You've holes. Yeah, well, look, um, so uh, Bournemouth, horrible. Um, just really, really horrible performance, especially in the second half. Just nothing from United at all. Um, uh, the bizarre sight of Nick Powell coming on yet again, this time for Maran Fellaini. You know, in Wolfsburg, uh, matter wasn't great, but you'd think he'd be the man who'd... Um, who might make a chance for United, and and in fact, you know, he was involved in United's goal, right? The the second goal. Um, so uh, and then even bizarrer in a way, uh, Fellaini, the man who's actually causing Bournemouth quite a lot of trouble, only comes from Van Hull. Very odd explanation of from from Van Hull as well. He basically said, well, things weren't quite working, so I had to make some kind of change. You know, for a man who's, as I said at the beginning, all left brain and logic. 
that that just seemed a really scattergun reason for making a substitution. Well, I think that actually the 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 story of Van Gaal as a left brain coach is a he's a complex character, and there's a, there are there is some nuance there because he does have this kind of total human being philosophy, right? This is this is not a left brain principle. That isn't that's a, you know about seeing he's got a kind of empathic side and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time can be a, a sort of horrible bully. So he, he's a he's a complex man. Uh, and there must have been something complex going on for them subs. Uh, the power for matter substitution, uh, 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 it was a heck of a thing, that, wasn't it? It was a heck of a thing. It, it was, it came out of nowhere and, 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 you couldn't help thinking that that really did look like a manager who was floundering. Van Hal's substitutions are worse than David Moyes'. Discuss. <laughs> I think you've posed that question before. Um, it's a it's a it's a difficult question to answer. They they don't, you know, they're not great, are they? <laughs> They've been pretty terrible recently. Hey, and amid all the talk of who could replace Van Hal. Moisey's sitting there without a job at the moment. Jesus, that... Oh, my God. Yeah, well, look, they, they picked Moise ahead of Jose once. <laughs> Why shouldn't they do it again? <laughs> we all pack up and go home. It's going to be an FC United podcast a week after that, if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, FC aren't doing so well at the moment. Yeah, lost, lost at the weekend, and uh, they're sort of down the bottom of whatever it's called. I've got one question for you, right? Is David Moyes their manager? No, he's not. Well, then, they're all right, because I don't care how bad things get. uh, That is always good news. The Norwich game was just dreadful. Hey, you know what? You know what, Ed? Guess what? United started quite brightly and looked fairly lively for the first six or seven minutes of that game. Oh, what an amazing thing. And then they retrenched into a pattern of uh, a fairly unpenetrative possession. 70% of it, in fact, and two shots on target. Yeah. Absolute groundhog day at Old Trafford that first half. I'm going to get a t-shirt made. 70%, two shots. It is. That is the 81 crosses of Van Gaal's statistics, isn't it? It's this relentless possession and no shots on target. Um, Yeah, the, the first half was just totally dismal like so depressing after that little bright early spell it's just like oh it's exactly the same game again playing out before our eyes but turns out it was not to be the same game because actually this time we were able to be cut through on the break and uh, the opposition scored yeah tw- twice i mean twice uh, and very you know similar goals in a way uh, some very very poor defending from united and incisive attacking from norwich Deserve their goals, you know, and and you get you can't blame blame Norwich for sitting deep and breaking because it's absolutely the right tactic to take against this United side because you know that most of United's possession is going to be anemic. Interesting piece on on rant this week um, that one of the writers put up uh, with some quotes from Guardiola, who's basically I mean they're from last year where he's saying, look, this tiki tack and stuff's nonsense. It's not about that. It's about trying to create the overload. Um, you're trying to shift the opposition uh, out of possession, uh, out of position, and then you create the chance with that overload, right? Fair enough. And I'm sure Van Hal would say exactly the same. That the problem is it's so pedestrian most of the time, United's possession, that you don't shift the opposition out of position. Almost never. And and it's just really bizarre that United keep plodding on with this. Uh, and maybe he just doesn't feel like he's got the, the players to change it around. But it just... It's the same thing. I mean, variations on the same thing all the time. Uh, I have to say, I genuinely look forward to recording this podcast. The last few times, I really haven't, just on the basis of, I don't have anything new to say about Man United's terrible football under Louis van Gaal. No, that's right. We are being quite repetitive. Um, so, what, what, let, I tell you what, let's talk about uh, Anthony Martial, the one bright spot, because another fine goal against Norwich. Nice feet and uh, slammed it in to add to the one he scored uh, against Wolfsburg, which was a bit more Henri-esque, wasn't it? Uh, Cutting in, finessed it into the far corner. Um, Very nice indeed. Yeah, and it's good to see him scoring again after that little barren period. Um, You say nice feet. I think nice feet slightly underrates what a remarkable goal it was because the penultimate touch, the touch that he sets himself up with, 
is absolutely exquisite the way he kind of pulls it into his body past the defender but far away enough from his left foot to be able to wallop it in the top right of the net it's just he's his close control is just absolutely something else well there was there was an amazing example of it against Bournemouth wasn't there where he ended up keeping the ball in spite of being lying on his back at one point during that move yeah yeah it was almost Fellaini-esque wasn't it <gasps> we about the Fellaini goal <laughs> who, who fell on the ball and scored goal of the season so I wrote a 500 word column about why that goal was magical uh, for you Max it last week but um, the Watch it when we were watching it in the pub, it just looked like he'd fallen over and then somehow it was a goal. But when you see the replay of it, it's a really remarkable piece of technique. And he takes this step, a full step on his knees, doing knee walking, and then half a step, which gives him just enough lift in his opposite leg to dig his leg out from under himself and tuck the ball home. So, what, what do you think's better, Fellaini's goal or Phil Jones's face tackle? <laughs> Fellaini's goal by miles because Phil Jones's face tackle shouldn't really have worked he didn't get enough on it um, Giroud should still really have been able to do something about that um, but yeah uh, Fellaini's goal was a work of art and also the the touch that he used to take it round the on-rushing goalkeeper was virtually Martial-esque um, almost almost so Martial who also won the uh, what do they call it Golden Boy Award this week for the best young player in Europe that'll add what 10 or 20 million onto his transfer fee when he moves to Real next summer <laughs> yeah we didn't have to pay uh, Monaco anything for that right it's only when he wins the Ballon d'Or we're going to have to give him that money that's right yeah it's pretty inevitable just a matter though, of time it? though isn't it although <laughs> not in this dog turd of the United side to be honest he's not going to win the Ballon d'Or in this team it's fine, though, because this team ain't going to last much longer because uh, Van Gaal is going. It's, it's, it's when, not if now, right? There's, the only way Van Gaal doesn't go is if it gets remarkably turned around in a very and, and short why would period it? of time. Why exactly. Would it? The, the, the thing that could happen is that United go back to being, after the, some injuries clear up, United going back to being tight and just winning games 1-0 with two shots on target or something like that. That's the best case scenario for the rest of the year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know... Christmas cheer, boys and girls. The, uh, the, the truth of the matter is that, that Van Gaal is simply not going to last because since we spoke, I think there was the whole thing about Woodward briefing journalists that he was a genius, right? And the, the story being that he... Uh, Woodward said at some point in that thing, I'm not getting emails like I did under Moyes, right? This is This is the story we've all heard. Of course, his email address was then put on Twitter by Red Issue. And I suspect he's had quite a lot of emails since then. <laughs> good, good old Red Issue. <laughs> yeah, uh, good stuff. Yes, I suspect he has. Uh, I kn- look, um, Woodward doesn't get anywhere near the level of criticism that he should do for the job that he's done at, in the core football aspect of his job. You know, he's got this kind of commercial thing all buttoned up and I guess that's been... Um, much more delegated now to other people in the organisation, but he doesn't get the criticism. And it's because he's he's got this kind of open briefing style, whereas Gill said nothing to nobody. Um, and, and Woodward takes um, his clique of, of journos down the pub and tells them everything. And he's good copy. Why would you kill that? Uh, Gill is still at every game. He is, yeah. He was laughing as well. That unacceptable behaviour from <laughs> look morose. <laughs> Look morose, David. I can always see. And him. what's happened to the Illuminati? Because they are not working. Well, no, but since he retired, isn't it? He's, well, since he left, he's like, no, there's no Woodward RT. Doesn't even work. Um, I I wonder whether they'll bring in a director of football, but I don't think that seems that likely because Edward Wood is living out his childhood fantasy, well, right? and they couldn't do it with uh, Van Hal in charge. They couldn't do it. So, but that's not going to be a problem because, because I mean, we really are talking about when, not if, with Van Gaal. So, going. so boot Van Gaal out, give Giggs a job, bring in a director of football next summer. Then you know, and and like revise some other structures, like the entire scouting structure, clearly as well as the academy setup. They they already have in train, I guess. Um, and then you might be on track to rebuilding the club. In a, in a modern fashion. Well, you say scouting structure. The scouts did a pretty good job with bringing in the best young player in Europe this season, didn't they? Well, well, the scouts being the agent they paid uh, £10 million to. Um, so, look, United have no full-time scouts, and that's that's part of the problem. Is that true? Yeah. Wow, I had no idea that was the case. 
since when? Since forever. It's, you know, Fergie had his old boys network. That's how United did business and their favoured agents. Now they don't have the old boys network uh, and they're not finding the gems anymore. Um, this, you know, the, basically United's transfer scouting system is to call up their favourite agents. They paid £15 million in agents fees this year. So, like, this is a really stupid question, but you know when you start a game of football manager and you've got the backroom staff and United have got loads of scouts, who are those people? Scouts. Right, but not full-time. They, they've not, not... And this was under Ferguson, this was the same way. No. I, I, I'm shocked. I just genuinely never had no idea. Right. So look, the, but the important part here is that, you know, I, I it's recognised fairly widely in football that United are a bit archaic in their setup. David Moyes noticed it. I mean, the, the problem was David Moyes wanted to bring iPads and analytics and, and the, the kind of home farm whiteboard system in and dithered over everything. And, and maybe if Moyes had lasted, United would have got a modern scouting structure in place. The, the problem is we'd be like in 16th place alongside Chelsea if Moyes had lasted. Um, um, so, look, it, it's it's just one aspect of the problems at the club, you know, and that, that's why I'm saying there are systemic issues as well as Van Gaal being a total disaster. Yeah, I mean, I think this is true, and I think absolutely that Woodward is is someone that deserves more criticism than he gets, and I think this kind of... Um, uh, uh, you see it a lot with, like, young people on the internet doing, like, Leonardo DiCaprio memes of... Him chucking, him chucking money around and all that kind of stuff, and it's it's this idea that Woodward is some sort of like baller who gets things done has uh, is very illusory, isn't it? That's that's a very limited version of the truth about him. It is, yeah. So, uh, will he get something done in the January transfer window and save United's season? I mean, I don't know. Uh, there's one uh, very interesting thing to talk about from the Norwich game, which was uh, last time we did record a podcast, Ed, you talked about when is Ryan Giggs going to make his move. Uh, looked to me like the last 20 minutes of that Norwich game was a bit of a move from old Giggsy. Yeah, he's not one to, to... I mean, he does like to stand around the touchline, but he, he spent the last 20 minutes out on the touchline with Van Hal sat at the back and and... I suppose you could play this as like Wally with the Broly style, you know, up there and shouting for no reason. Um, but it, it felt quite pointed, didn't it? It really out did. there being the manager, Van Hal, at the back looking at his notes. Yeah, he was asked about in the post-match, um, Van Gaal was, and he said, oh, well, that's fine. We did that also against Bournemouth, and he sometimes has to stand there to pass instructions. And it was like, Van Gaal said some very searingly honest things in that press conference. That was not one of them, uh, because what Ryan Giggs was doing in that last 20 minutes is saying, look at me standing on the touchline at Manchester United. Don't I look like I should be a Manchester United manager, unlike this clown? Like, there is there's a, there's a totally uncynical reason of it which is just he thinks the team desperately needs some encouragement and no one else is going to do it so he has to do it but I think that that was a a a very cynical piece of visual imagery he distances himself from Van Gaal makes himself closer to the players like you know it's it's just pretty obvious move isn't it it is yeah maybe he's telling Martial to get up front and bin Rooney out to the wings (laughs) we didn't talk about this earlier uh, so so uh, United's move to get out of this crisis was to stick their best player back on the wing. Oh, God. I mean, he did score, of course. He, d- he did, yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure that validates it as a move. Um, no, I mean, it's... It, and actually, Rooney, he was asked about Rooney uh, in the in the post-match and asked about this thing of credits. Uh, and he said, yeah, I need to evaluate that. So it did sound like it might actually, might actually legitimately be the end of the road for Rooney. Well, um, let's hope so. And one one other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, David De Gea has made a couple of mistakes. And, I mean, could he have done better with uh, Jerome's shot? He palmed it into the corner and he definitely could have done better with Bournemouth's corner that uh, flew into the top corner. Yeah, interesting that, isn't it? Bring back Romero, that's what I say. Well, maybe. Or is this uh, players playing within themselves, should we say? You know what I'm saying? Know what I'm saying? Get the manager out. Nudge, um, nudge, wink, wink. So, so wait there. Are, are, are we saying, or are you saying, your hashtag LVG out? This is the fascinating thing about this situation because I've at no point really turned to being LVG out until the point at which it doesn't really matter what anyone says. He's going. 
you know, because he's going now. It, it doesn't. It might not be this week. It might be the end of this season or later this season. But unless he wins the league or puts some wonderful performances together, in which case that's great. It, this is just inevitable. That Norwich game was the equivalent of the Fulham game, or maybe the Olympiacos game, uh, to give it a bit more drama for uh, for Moyes. It was like this is sort of basically the point of no return, barring a miracle. And I think one of the problems with Woodward is that he's not likely to act quickly enough, perhaps, and that might leave us in a very bad situation in terms of of the the moving pieces on the um the chessboard of the managerial the 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 VIP lounge on the managerial merry-go-round because uh, Guardiola is now definitely moving this summer Mourinho is obviously free so you know anyway and and Ancelotti's free are they apparently going to buy Munich no he's, I mean, he's he is going to buy right, it's okay. probably, he's, he's public but but look, uh, um, you know, look, there's a there's a circuit clearly of elite coaches, and United thought they'd bought one of those, and and the circuit revolves around every two or three years, and none of them stay anywhere for any length of time, and and United are hoping to get on that to that train. I mean, the trouble is they got an elite coach who's maybe ten or fifteen years past his best, and uh, you know the the one time and one time only, folks, that Duncan Castle has actually been right. I mean, maybe, or maybe Van Gaal's entire career has been a litany of either triumph or disaster. You know, it wasn't just the, the, the he has done many wonderful things in his career since he totally failed in his second tenure at Barcelona. You know, it's he, he's a he's a manager that's always had disaster in him. Uh, I'm not sure that this is as simple as oh, he's now a man past he's a man out of time and past past the the period when he could have done a good job because I think in that first season there were some significant signs that he he if things had fallen into place a bit better and if he'd been a little bit more flexible um it could have been quite different perhaps he said at the weekend uh, that he is a successful manager and then corrected himself and said well perhaps was a successful manager it was one of the saddest things i've ever seen that it was uh, incredibly moving because um it, this is what I meant about like searing honesty. It was he was talking about his. He was asked whether he'd evaluate his own performance, and he said, "This has always been part of my philosophy. I'm a totally different coach to that I was 25 years ago, and I've always tried to adapt and evolve. That's always been the thing. And my philosophy is extremely important to me because, and you know, he was it was almost a point of principle and trying to defend himself saying like this is why I've been I am a successful coach and then that was when he said or I was a successful coach yeah it's a circle of life he's uh, Simba he's he's off to go die (laughs) yeah I mean that you know he's gonna live a very nice retirement on the in the Algarve or wherever in Portugal um it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be nice but I think that's gonna be coming pretty soon and it's not like Moyes, right? When Moyes left, I had one... You asked me if I was LVG out. When Moyes left, I had one overriding emotion, and that was relief. Like, massive, massive relief. I won't feel relieved when Van Gaal goes. I'll just feel sad. Right. What about you, Ed? What about you? Where do you, where do you stand? What's your position on it? Do you think he should get the boot this week, get someone in straight away? I, I'm not sure that it actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, personally, I think United behind the scenes should be doing absolutely everything to get Guardiola. And yeah, right. Uh, and oh, yeah. it's, it's yeah. the only it's the only thing that makes any sense if United uh, is still an elite club. Um, the the problem is that the city have been doing the groundwork for some time. Um, although, you know, may- maybe what we should all be doing is hoping that City win the league so they can't boot out Pellegrini. <laughs> yeah, they will, though. I think they just will. Uh, anyway. Because that's what you do. I mean, Bayern, Bayern booted out Heinz for... Heinkes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Heinz, it was Jupp Heinz. Bayern booted out Jupp Heinkes because Guardiola was coming along. He won the treble and they booted him out. Right. Um, and, uh, and and I guess City would do the same, you know. And look, Guardiola is not going to be the um, the next empire builder. No one is ever going to do a Ferguson again. You know, I, I, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, we need someone who will be here for the long term. No one's going to be here for the long term. If United are on that train of elite coaches, they're going to do three seasons, maybe four, um, if they're successful. Uh, or they'll do two or 18 months or seven months if they're not. So uh, he just called David Moyes an elite coach. Um, so um, 
Does would you replace Van Gaal with Mourinho tomorrow? No, but you're making a you know what? what? Oh, not not on purpose. I'm not. I'm not no, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm, like I'm, one would, uh, if one does that, be giving Mourinho a three or four year contract and making the assumption that he's you know and and basically he is Van Gaal just more successful. Okay, so I, I guess my question really should. So be- so I don't want him anywhere near United. A personal opinion, and and you know that's. Um, it's kind of crazy, right? So if it's if it's Mourinho or Moyes, you pick Mourinho every time. You fools, you absolute numpties. Yeah, um, but if it's Mourinho or, or Guardiola, it's no it's no choice for me. It's easy. Yeah. So I think I, I guess I should rephrase my question to ask what I really mean, which is if Guardiola is going to City, and this is all the word that United get, and all this kind of these rumours of a Ferguson charm offensive with Guardiola. Uh, 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 are not true or it doesn't work and he's locked up with City the day that gets announced do you try and get Mourinho in the next day yeah and and because United would have no other choice at that stage uh, definitely I mean it would make for fun times wouldn't it it's going to be an interesting the, podcast the enemies, that's for sure yeah it certainly would be and um, I, I mean you know he's entertaining I guess you'd call it entertaining Mourinho. I mean, the last six months at Chelsea have been really eye-opening, though, because, you know, he's always been abrasive at at Real um, and to a lesser extent at Inter, he fell out with everyone, especially at Real. Um, And what has happened in the last six months adds an extra level of risk for United. You know, because in the the past, it was guaranteed trophies. Yeah, he's, you know, he's... um, he can be brusque and he's arrogant and he'd ride, you know, ride roughshod over Woodward probably. Um, but he wasn't that cataclysmically, uh, you know, damaging from top to bottom, which is basically what Chelsea said, you know. Uh, Michael Emanano, the effectively director of technical director, just laid it all out there and threw Jose under not one bus but two buses he just destroyed him under the buses that Mourinho had parked <laughs> yeah well that's right they started rolling backwards or something and uh, and just I mean that that's that would leave United pretty you know a pretty risky position to appoint him of course given what has happened they'd, they'd need to feel very confident that that was some very unique circumstances but isn't that exactly pretty much exactly what happened at Real Madrid as well like this isn't a unique thing, and 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 he did guarantee trophies at Chelsea. He won the league, and they hadn't won the league for ages, you know, by their standards with the money spent and stuff. Um, and so he he guaranteed trophies, and then it all went horribly wrong because he's not a very nice person, and that eventually catches up with you. It was it, right, and it's probably what would happen at United. Too. And I feel like if if Madrid was in England, we would have heard an awful lot more. I'm not that you I mean you obviously follow Spanish football pretty closely, but it's not on the back pages every day in the same way. But you know, he tried to poke someone's eye and well not poke their eye out, but he poked someone the eye on in the touchline. Uh, and then he um the the kind of he left huge schisms in the Real Madrid dressing room, which haven't healed to this day. Like basically the Ramos saga this summer kind of has its whole origins in Mourinho's time in charge and Casillas and all that kind of stuff. So he does just leave, he leaves the place like a baddie in an action movie walking towards the camera while stuff's blowing up behind him, doesn't it? You know, so yeah, pretty much, right? And and that's the reason why he, you know, he is the last resort for United. But but him or, you know, David Moyes Mark II, it's, you know, it's not a choice. United would need to go with the, the coach and try, and try and put the structure in place to, to mitigate the disaster that would come two years down the line. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, but you know, I, I think you know what you're going to get with him. Uh, and a lot of it is not good. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's true. And, and you know, I don't know. I always, I always feel a bit like I'm being ridiculous to even make this point in 2015. But there is the thing of like, the one thing that has been nice about Van Gaal is he's looking to the long term. He Not for himself, but he thinks about the long term at clubs. And he has brought loads of kids through. And none of them would have played under Jose. You know, it's like... The, the whole sort of point of United is giving their own young players a chance. That's like the one central thing about United that has some sort of value as a football club. And 
you put Mourinho in, doesn't that just go? Isn't that just guaranteed to be over for however long he's around? To be honest, I think it's just kind of happenstance, really, though. I mean, United have a small squad and, and Van Gaal's had to use some of those players. I, I think if, if, if United had got Ramos, uh, McNair and Turin Zabi would hardly have played. Um, and if if uh, Shaw hadn't been injured, others would have hardly played too. So, I mean, fine. Yes, yes, he's played some young players. Yes, that's a, a kind of uh, a history with Van Gaal, at least, I guess, we're at Ajax 25 years ago. No, everywhere. That's not, that's just not fine. fair. That's... Okay, fine. Look, and, and yes, he's he's done that, but it's not like there's such a structure in place for United to be successful with this. There's no guarantee that any of those players will actually ever make it at United. They've had games here and there. Um, and, you know, you say he's building for the long term. Well, maybe he is. Maybe, maybe. But, um, you know, it, feel, it feels like Van Gaal is so pragmatic, he's just doing what he can do to get through this week and next week and the week after. But why Why do you, you don't sign Memphis and Martial if you or if all you care about is this season, right? That's that's not where you invest the the funds, no, no, and and no, I think that's fair enough. And you know, but this is look, it's not binary. I'm not saying he doesn't give a f- about uh, young players. He cl- he clearly has something about him that will play young players. But I don't think he's necessarily going. Well, this is all for the long term. I just don't think it. You know, because if he if he really cared about some kind of romantic notion about this should be the way football's played or this is uh, the way United plays and you know and we're a club that promotes youth in some way um, then there'd be a bunch of other stuff he'd be doing as well yeah uh, and he'd be playing some of the better kids as well like Pereira would get a game and stuff like that you know uh, Tom there's a bleep in that last thing uh, in case you missed that one um, but yeah the, the, he'd be playing some different young players as well he'd maybe play Pereira who it's hilarious watching United warm up because Pereira's always on the bench. He always just does absolutely outrageous things with the ball in the warm ups. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, it, maybe you're right. Maybe Van Gaal doesn't care about the long term, but I think that the I think the, the transfer policy and the transfer policy more than the, the kind of playing the kids in an emergency, although that still has some significance in itself because it's goes, we go back to the West Ham game last season where Paddy McNair played alongside Marcus Rojo. And we both said at the time, I think there's absolutely no way Ferguson would have played Paddy McNair in that game. Right. Ferguson would have just played Carrick in the center of defense. Um, so I think there is some significance to having the courage to, to, to play the young players, when when the injury crisis runs in that direction, right, and and that's the only risks he ever takes with the football. Yeah, <laughs> and this isn't a defence of Van Gaal, by the way. This is just uh, a defence of Van Gaal as com- uh, about this particular aspect of Van Gaal as compared to Mourinho. And I, th- I I I do think the fact that there is absolutely no care ever anywhere in his career, as far as I can remember, for young players is a a. a a thing that makes you think, oh, it's going to be a bit sad if Mourinho comes. Be nice when we win the league, though. Like, obviously, yeah, with functional football and uh, and Mourinho poking poking someone's eyes out. But there you go. <laughs> how much? How much is the functional football thing fair? Because uh, Madrid, obviously, were not uh, built around functional football by any stretch of the imagination. And no, he had one one brilliant, well, eighteen months at, at Madrid where they scored tons and tons of goals. It scored like hundred and ten in one game, <laughs> one game, one season, one game. <laughs> um, and then uh, Chelsea, the first half of last season, were lovely to watch. Uh, yeah, at points, yeah. So yeah, uh, I, sure, it's exaggerated, and and he he doesn't always play. Uh, you know, bad football. Uh, he's clearly, you know, the antithesis of Van Gaal when it comes to possession. He's quite happy to have zero percent possession uh, as long as it gets him the result. And I, I think that's the thing that people look at. You know, they they look at, um, at Mourinho playing anti football when he needs and wants to. Yeah, absolutely, and that would obviously happen. But you know, Fergie played a lot of anti football when he needed to and wanted to, didn't he? Uh, during his last two seasons, uh, yep. Uh, longer than that, 2008. That's a lot more than two seasons, isn't very it? Very true, very true. And, and you know, when it's pragmatic, that's, that's, um, that's, that's what most coaches will do. And that's fair enough, you know. Again, you know, this isn't binary. This is not to say that Jose will only ever play uh, anti-football and Ferguson only ever played, you know, six up front. 
Um, of course not. Uh, but but the tendency and the, the the arc of Jose's tactics, you know, doesn't sit that well. But then again, this is what we've got at United at the moment. And and there's no way the board right now are thinking, oh, well, we must have a coach who plays open attacking football. No, uh, although, I mean, wouldn't it just be a dream? So the, the Pep thing's interesting. So if we do line up Pep in the summer... Do you think we should still sack Van Gaal now and uh, give it Giggsy to the end of the season? I have no idea. Would it? I mean, I, I suppose if they came to the conclusion that, that Van Gaal was actually damaging and, and the players had lost faith in, in him to such an extent that United couldn't get the results, then yes. Um, uh, if that's not the case and he's just not extracting enough out, there's no guarantee that Giggs does any better at all. Yeah, I think the that that point is interesting and in a way that was the most telling thing he said after the game which was um that it's extremely important for a manager uh, a team to have faith in their manager uh, and when you lose results that faith that faith disappears game by game. Uh and I I think it does look like that is that it doesn't like there's no I don't have any actual behind the scenes information other than what's in fanzines but it doesn't seem when you look at those group of players that they have anything invested in Van Gaal yeah you know. um, they don't and but no guarantee they have anything invested in gigs he, either um, just because he's a, a club legend doesn't mean that they owe him anything or, or even look up to him you know who knows um, we know nothing about gigs his, his coaching experience has come under Moyes and Van Gaal yeah but I mean I don't think he, he did watch Vergie for 20 years but I mean it doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's learned anything look at look at all the players that played for Fergie how how many of them have been good coaches? And and I still I don't know, maybe 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 I'm being maybe I'm just wrong about this, but I don't think that Moyes and Van Gaal are lumped in together as teachers of coaches. Like it's not like Van Gaal is not over it's still a good person to learn from as a coach, because he's he's on a totally different level of experience and insight to Moyes. Yeah, well, anyway, we've gone off on a tangent, 15 different tangents. And, Should we uh, do some Twitter questions then before we look at the festive Let's season? do some Twitter questions and then we'll we'll roll into the three fixtures United are going to lose before we speak to you next time. <laughs> um, at Quatchet says, given the Liverpool result today, does this put some of our struggles in perspective? No one is really taking this league by storm. Uh, they lost 3-0 well, no one, to Watford. Right, no one, no one is. Uh, I mean, look, if you look at um, all the predictive models before the season, there's only real two mega outliers and that's Leicester and Chelsea um, and United are pretty much I mean fourth is fourth fifth fifth as it stands so you know a place below where uh, most of the predictive models had United so you know it's not as crazy as people are saying um, but sure yeah Liverpool are, are, are inconsistent we've praised Klopp um, maybe that was the kind of bump of him coming in, they got some very good results. They've had some very poor results recently. Getting smashed at Watford is a very poor result. Yeah, absolutely. We beat Watford. Wow. That's how bad that result was for Liverpool. That's also the last time we won a game. That's <laughs> mad, isn't it? If you'd thought at that time, oh, we're not going to win another game before Christmas now, just would have seemed fanciful. Uh, but in fact, that's what's happened. At Anmol. Bajaj92 says, "Are there? will there be any positives to take from Van Gaal's time at United, assuming he's gone by the time the pod comes out? He ain't going to be gone by the time the pod comes out. But um, uh, Martial is the big one, I suppose. Martial and the introduction, I just spoke about the introduction of some younger players. Yeah, absolutely. Funny press conferences. Yes, yeah, he gave Christmas presents out last season. That was nice. Uh, well, I, en- I enjoyed that anyway. Um, at, talking of Christmas at Gary underscore Dunn says Christmas pudding or mince pies uh, he says he's feeling festive knowing that we can't drop any p- more points before Christmas <laughs> <laughs> good I, I'm a big fan of mince pies are say. you I yeah. wouldn't have had you down as one that's interesting I, I love them Christmas pudding is my absolute favourite but I don't um, I don't uh, have any alcohol or eggs so you can't find some years some of the supermarkets do one which doesn't have any alcohol or eggs in it that's brilliant but uh, they're hard to find yeah if you will have these funny diets i i i like a christmas pudding that's all right um i prefer a mince pie with some like brandy cream on it and a glass of brandy <laughs> um, if you were to choose would you just have the brandy no i'd like all three <laughs> nice nice that's lovely that's a lovely christmasy image Ed. You, you need something to wash your mince pie down with don't you uh well santa claus certainly does um at angie ld9 says uh because we haven't actually addressed this 
do you think we should even give gigs a go? He's been part of two failed management teams now. That's what you said, Ed. I, I find it very difficult to imagine giving a gig a go for any length of time. I, I think it's just a mega, mega risk, isn't it? I, I, I guess I'm going to slightly rephrase the question, all right? Who do you think from here on out with the current squad as it currently stands is more likely to get us into the top four, Ryan Giggs or Van Gaal? No idea. There's no evidence for either. I mean, I just don't know. I have no idea what Giggs will bring as a manager, as a leader. I mean, it's, it's got to be different than as a player. So, um, yeah, I, I just don't know. Yeah, sure, he's been part of two failed management regimes. Again, that shouldn't really refl- sort of reflect on him. Sort of. Um, but, you know, not fully, clearly, because he's not in charge. I don't know what he's going to bring as a manager. We'll see. It's it, When Gianluca Vialli was appointed manager at Chelsea, um, uh, Trapattoni said it was like putting a learner driver in charge of a Ferrari. And this would be the same thing, although, you know, albeit a broken Ferrari uh, that was last successful quite some time ago. Um, at Eddie Rose 13 says, which player would you want to get Secret Santa um, for Secret Santa and what would you get them? £10 limit. Uh, I think I'd like to get David De Gea and I would give him the David De Gea puppet from Paul's house. Very nice. Very nice. I, I, would, I would buy Juan Mata... Some nice woolly hats and gloves, because I think he's going to need Because <laughs> he's out in the cold, is that what you're saying? When when Mourinho rocks up. Uh, talking of Paul's house, uh, uh, bit.ly slash Paul's house four. If you could, if everyone listening to this could please watch that, that would be very, very helpful to me. Thank you. This time is personal. <laughs> yeah, this time it's Christmas. All puppets, all Christmas. Do you still uh, love Christmas? I love it so much, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm going to go for another Christmas question. Why not? If you could give any Christmas present to or for the fans, asks Derek underscore Anderson underscore, what would it be? Uh, Can you fit attacking football under a Christmas tree? I'm not sure you can. I mean, you can't really wrap it, can you? It's more of a concept. Thomas Muller has signed a contract to 2021, so that's out. Uh, Neymar? Yeah, not going to happen. I mean, he's got about 15 different court cases and different you know, contractual <laughs> situations he's got to get out of. Um, Plus he's at the best football team in the world by a mile, playing with like two absolutely unbelievable forwards who he appears to adore. Uh-huh. It seems unlikely. I think actually the only scenario in which United do get Neymar is that it gets really litigious with the, the transfer um, to Barca, which you could do still, still. And it would clarify it for United just to buy all the contracts out or something like that. Um, yeah. But that's not going to be in time to get him under the old Trafford Christmas tree, is it? It's not. Uh, it's never going to happen. I was coming up with a fantasy scenario. Um, I think maybe uh, I might get them at some sort of perspex that separates off the away fans from K-Stanto, like some soundproof perspex, because it's just absolutely, must be exhausting for the fans near K-Stand. Just hear relentlessly the same chance every week. Norwich fans were bad, considering their team won. Um, I was having this conversation with Chris Vokes from Goal.com after the game and he was saying West Bromwich fans by far the worst this season. But I think uh, I think Norwich fans, considering their team won, have to be in with a shout. It was just, they were were silent for long stretches of the game and it was all, we support our local team, all that malarkey. Yes, they were singing songs about uh, Jose Mourinho taking uh, Van Gaal's job as well. (laughs) That that was slightly amazing. They were there. Yeah, that was was quite good. Talking about fans, there's an interesting set of fans at Stoke. And and that's where United play on Boxing Day. Or or, to be more accurate, that's where United lose 2-1 on Boxing Day. What do we think about this game? Uh, I don't know. If Van Gaal's the manager by then, I don't think we're going to win. And if he's not the manager, I think we probably will. Out of new manager bounce, not that that. You know, not that would be necessarily sustainable, but uh, you know they've got all their little buzzy. They're the new Stoke, aren't they? Stoke two point They're all they are the new Stoke. Yeah, they played decent football. I mean, played very well when they beat City uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean the weather's not going to be terrible, right? This isn't. There's not going to be any uh, white Christmas this year. It all looks very mild around the country, so not going to be. But then you know, if that wind gets up at the Britannia, oh my goodness, anything could happen. Yeah, it might stop Shakiri from actually playing decent football. And uh, they're going to have to fill in uh, the corners, aren't they? That's that's what his 
going to happen at the Britannia now. I know. Let's just hope the wind's behind us when we uh, lump those diagonal balls at uh, Marianne Fellaini. God, the tables are turned, haven't they? You know, just hoping we can play some percentage football at um, Stoke. I find this game extremely difficult to predict beyond... Well, not not so much to predict as to say anything other than, well, I think what is going to happen is United are going to like have quite a lot of possession and Stoke will sit deep and hit them on the break pretty effectively. Like, yeah, that's, that's probably what's that's, going to happen, yeah. And it's really, will United take any chances? So quite unlucky with one of the penalty decisions at the weekend, um, I guess, against Crystal Palace and lost to a, a really stunning strike. Um, but before that, they'd uh, got a decent draw at West Ham, they'd beaten City and, and they, they'd beaten Sheffield Wednesday in the League Cup. That, that game against City, they were incredibly impressive. If they can turn anything like that style on against United, we're, we're just in trouble um, because United haven't turned the style on since Everton uh, and Everton were very bad in that game. But yeah, that was the last time we were good. So uh, the chances of us being good any time in the, over the Christmas period seem extremely limited. All right, then, then on to the home game versus Chelsea. This is going to be an interesting one. Uh, will Jose be Manchester United manager by then? <laughs> Mourinho taking on his old side. God, I, I mean, look... I. Look, just to repeat, I don't want uh, Mourinho anywhere near Old Trafford. But, but, it would be quite interesting for Chelsea fans to be singing about their hero as he walks out of the Old Trafford tunnel as Manchester United manager. It's crazy, isn't it? But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. A resurgent Chelsea against a feeble United on the 28th of last last year the Christmas period was brutal under Van Gaal wasn't it just kept talking about how it was a fight for life against Tottenham Hotspur played very well in the first half of that game but um, then we played Stoke over that period as well didn't we um, that was a that was a really bad game uh, from both teams yeah Chelsea played Watford in form Watford and Watford up seventh um, bef- before facing United. So, you know, not necessarily an easy game for Chelsea, but they've got that kind of freedom back again. You could see at the weekend, couldn't you, against Sunderland, they suddenly started playing some good football again. Yeah, that was easily the funniest thing Chelsea fans have ever done was like take up chance against their players after they scored goals. I mean, the very definition of plastic supporters. I mean, kind of, but I, I, in a way, they're, they're, they're not really being plastic supporters, are they? They're, they're standing for something. They're standing for Jose Mourinho and principles against the three rats, Lazard, Sesk and Costal, as that sign said. Yeah. Yeah, very good. I mean, um, I'd, I'd take Azard if they don't want him anymore. Yeah, um, he can come and betray our manager. He can come and stab Ryan Giggs in the back in like March or whatever. Um, I, I've got nothing interesting to say about any of our games that we're supposed to be previewing. I feel really bad about that. I mean, nobody knows what Chelsea are going to be like in a couple of games' time. Nobody certainly knows what Swansea are going to be like, another team with a new manager. Maybe Gary Monk will be United manager. After all, Van Gaal was full of praise for him. Uh, said he voted for him as manager of the season last season. Yep, yep. They're still managerless, aren't they, Swansea? Um, United played them on the 2nd of January. Um, having lost five games in a row, uh, will Van Gaal still be manager by the 2nd of January? I mean, if if we've lost five games in a row, surely that will just do for him there and then. You've got to imagine. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, look, it's interesting. You know, United can't have had a on paper at least, a Christmas period, A, not that busy Christmas period, uh, and B, one that looks quite easy. They played the 11th, 15th and 18th place sides. (laughs) That's right, Ed. That's absolutely right. It should be a doddle. I mean, it's kind of a busy Christmas period, isn't it? Because they've still got to do the game two days after the other game. Uh, indeed, yeah, but just, um, you know, not so bad. There's not one between the 28th and the 2nd of January. Often they're playing on the 1st or no. Well, yeah, no, they have done in the past, yeah. No, they do, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we went to see them lose 4-1 to QPR on the That's 1st. That's how old we are. Yes, work that one out, <laughs> yeah. folks. Were you born then? Probably not. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, gosh, demographically, probably not. So away at Stoke, uh, going to be a tough game for United, undoubtedly. I mean, you know, for very different reasons. Uh, they're a good footballing side um, and, you know, it'd be a pretty even contest, I suppose. Um, home to Chelsea, revived Chelsea. They've got the players to make that a real, you know, a real game for United. And they've got players who can play on the break as well in Azard and Oscar. Um, and Costa is a very effective number nine when he's playing. Uh, and injured and uh, not being a prima donna, which isn't very often. And then Swansea, well, you know, they've come and beaten us at Old Trafford a couple of times, haven't they? So you wouldn't expect them to be in high spirits, but you never know. No, absolutely. Um, and I think, I guess that, that what I'm going to ask, rather than us just predict all these results, because it seems a bit of a futile exercise given how much can change over the next two weeks, is by the time we next record a podcast, uh, if we if we if we don't record a podcast at all over the Christmas period, will Van Gaal be United manager next time we record a podcast? Yeah, I think he will be, but I don't think the results are going to be that great. So I think United will draw at Stoke um, and draw with Chelsea and beat Swansea. Okay, I th- I think that's wildly optimistic, but um, I think we're going to lose to Stoke, lose to Chelsea, and draw with Swansea. Wow, I mean, look, look, if if there's that set of results, Van Hal is not manager next time we record. No, absolutely. So we'll see. It's all going to be quite interesting. Thank you very much for listening to the Rankcast in 2015. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed doing it. And we'll be back in 2016 with more podcasts. Have a lovely festive season if you celebrate at this time of year. Uh, I hope it's uh, safe and peaceful and happy. And I hope that you all have lovely 2016s. Yeah, thanks for listening. It's It's been an interesting year, hasn't it, Yes, Paul? certainly has. Uh, sort of interesting being one of those very English words. Yes. Uh, which means not very interesting at all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great to have you with us. Uh, sorry for not recording a podcast for the last two weeks. Sorry that we're not going to record another podcast until after the new year, but there's plenty of football to talk about when we get back. Could be quite dramatic. And if, if Van Gaal gets sacked in the meantime, we'll do a special. Yeah, we will. Absolutely. And a massive thank you, as always, to the fantastic, peerless Tom, who uh, does such superb work to get this podcast out to you guys. Uh, We will be back in 2016. The force is strong with Tom.